Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lance, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people and how to apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. Learn more about the program and our ministry when you visit walkintruth.com. Now here's part two of Pastor Michael's teaching in Hebrews chapter 10, verses 26 through 39, called You Have Need of Endurance. So if, after receiving the knowledge of the truth, one goes on willfully, uh, and, and this may tie to verse 25, they've removed themselves from the church. They're no longer in fellowship. Let me just say this. If you don't have a hunger to be with God's people, you may want to check yourself. Because we know we've passed out of death into life because we love God's people. Now, it doesn't mean that you can't take a Sunday off. I do. <laughs> every now and then. <laughs> You're like, what? Yeah, pastors every now and then, right? It doesn't mean that you're under some legalistic trip that every time the doors open here, you've got to be here. That's not what I'm saying. Because we're not under some legalistic yoke as believers. But I pray that when these doors open, when you do come, you come because you want to be here. Amen? Because you deeply desire to know God and know his truth. So those who forsake the church, then oftentimes forsake Christ. You'll run into people and they'll say, I can worship God at the beach or on the golf course. Well, maybe you can for a little while, but if you don't have a desire to assemble with God's people, you got to check yourself because this is the organism that God has put on the planet. And so this warning, and you can see how severe it is, right? There's no longer, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins. And I, I just think simply this means if you're walking away from Christ, to what do you go? Where will you go? Your old life, the sacrificial system, etc. it's not going to work. And so willfully is a word that carries I, the idea of deliberate intention and it's habitual. It's a word that is first in the sentence here in the Greek language. If we go on sinning willfully against the Lord, if, if we reject the gospel, then we're going to find ourselves in trouble. And we don't want to do that. Apostasy is the root word here or the main idea here. And apostasy means a defection. And so People wrestle with, well, who are these people that might go on sinning willfully, stop uh, attending or gathering with the saints? Who are they? This is always the big $64,000 question. Were they Christians who lost their salvation? Were they pretenders like Judas Iscariot who wore a mask? Were they, uh, you know, tares among the wheat? That kind of thing. And those are questions that we'll wrestle a little bit more with even tonight. But here's what's going to happen with those who don't have Christ in their lives. They will anticipate a certain, you can take it to the bank, terrifying expectation of judgment and the fury of a fire which will consume the adversaries. Now, when you think about the adversaries of the gospel in the first century, when Jesus was preaching, who were the adversaries of the gospel? Well, you could say in some ways, perhaps maybe the Romans came to be, but who were the main adversaries of the gospel? It was the religious leadership 
Many of the Pharisees, many of the scribes, the Sadducees opposed Christ. They became adversarial with him. Remember, they put him to the proof. They would ask him questions. They would, they would try to trap him. They would deny that he was the Messiah. They said that he did his miracles by the power of Beelzebul, Satan, essentially. And they were inviting judgment into their lives. And Jesus used some language that he's coming on the clouds and they're going to finally recognize him when some of that judgment stuff happens. And so these particular early believers are being told, look, if you move away from Christ, here's what you can expect. This is not a popular message, but here it is. There's a terrifying expectation of judgment. And do you know who the judge will be on that day? Jesus. All judgment, John chapter five, has been given to the son. And it's depicted in the book of Matthew where Jesus, uh, people are knocking on the door in several of his parables. And he says, depart from me. I don't know you. I don't know who you are. See, a lot of people who try to demote Jesus don't really understand who he is. He's God in human flesh, and all judgment has been given to him. And yet Jesus took that judgment because he loves us. Amen? And so this is what the Bible teaches. And there have been people uh, today, there are uh, atheist groups who will write tracts against Christ and say you're a fool to believe in him and essentially spit in his face. There are people like Voltaire who said uh, of Christ, curse the wretch. He once boasted, Christianity will be no more, said Voltaire. My single hand shall destroy the edifice it took 12 apostles to rear. Ironically, shortly after his death, the very house in which he printed his literature became the depot of the Geneva Bible Society. That's God's sense of humor. And the nurse who attended Voltaire on his deathbed said these words, for all the wealth in Europe, I would not watch another infidel die. The physician Trockham, waiting with Voltaire at, at his death, said he cried out most desperately, quote, I am abandoned by God and man. I will give you half of what I'm worth if you will give me six months life. Then I shall go to hell and you will go with me. His dying words, O Christ, O Jesus Christ. So you have people who are very outspoken atheists. Years ago, Hank Hanegraaff took a phone call from a very angry atheist. And this is probably, I would say, maybe in the 90s. He called up the Bible Answer Man program and he said, uh, Hank, I don't know how you can be such a fool and believe in this God of the Bible. And uh, how, can't you, how, how do you not believe in evolution? How do you not believe in this? And he goes, he basically said that Jesus is a joke and he said, if I end up standing before Jesus, I will spit in his face. He said this on live radio. I will call him a ninny, whatever a ninny is, and I will spit in his face. Now, if you were the one taking Bible questions that day, how might you respond? My flesh would be wanting to wrench the guy's neck through the phone, right, for offending my Lord. But the guy said, Hank, if there is a Jesus and he is the judge, I will call him a ninny and spit in his face. And he said it with angst. You know what Hank 
said in response, well, that wouldn't be the first time someone spit in his face. And the Holy Spirit just gave Hank Hanegraaff a incredible response. It wouldn't be the first time someone spit in his face. And for some reason, Jesus is like a lightning rod, isn't he? <laughs> uh, there are people who would give their lives for him even tonight, probably all over the planet, and then there are people who hate him with such a hatred. And you have to ask questions like, why? Buddha doesn't do that to people. <laughs> have you guys been watching all the Scientology commercials that are on television? Where do they get all that money to do all those commercials? You know where they get it? They rip people off through their pseudo-counseling sessions. Just another one of those movements. And by the way, people who have gone through Scientology say when you finally get to the end of it, they say you have to repeat it all over again. That's what they have to offer. Consider Thomas Paine, the renowned American author. He was an enemy of Christianity. He exerted considerable influence against belief in God and the scriptures. He came to his last hour in 1809, disillusioned and an unhappy man. During his final moments on earth, he said, quote, I would give worlds if I had them. That age of reason had not been published. Oh, Lord, help me. Christ, help me. Oh, God, what have I done to suffer so much? But there is no God. But if there should be, what will become of me hereafter? Stay with me for God's sake. Send even a child to stay with me, for it is hell to be alone. If ever the devil had an agent, I have been that one, close quote. These are famous, outspoken atheists. And in their dying moments, you can see that without Christ, there's a terrifying expectation of judgment. Deep down, man knows. He knows there's a God. He knows that God is holy. And he has a sense of God's law written on his conscience. Amen? We know. That's why our conscience either accuses us when we do stuff wrong or excuses us when we do it right. That's the Imago Dei. That's God's written his image in us. And so the author goes on to say these words, and he's now still referencing Old and New Covenant. And he says, anyone who has set aside 28, the law of Moses, dies without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses. For the sake of time, write down Deuteronomy 17, 2 through 7. Let me just read verses 6 and 7 there so you get the feel for it. It says, on the evidence of two witnesses or three witnesses, he who is to die shall be put to death. He shall not be put to death on the evidence of one witness. Deuteronomy 17, 6. This is verse 7. The hand of the witnesses shall be first against him to put him to death. That's why Jesus said to the crowd in John 8, you without sin cast the first stone at her. And afterward, the hand of all the people, so shall you purge the evil from your midst. Now in the law of Moses, if you were accused of a crime and two or three witnesses confirmed every fact, you could die for a capital offense. And I think there were about 30 different things in the old covenant that could be a capital crime worthy of death. And here, probably just speaking of physical death. So you did something wrong. You did something worthy of the death penalty. It would be executed. You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. 
Would you please consider supporting Walk in Truth being on this radio station and podcast for at least $5 a month? As a thank you, we'll send you more content from Pastor Michael and the Walk in Truth team through our new Walk in Truth app. You will have quick access to our daily episodes. Welcome to Walk in Truth. You can watch videos of Pastor Michael's most recent Sunday sermons. When the fullness of time had come, God sent forth His Son. And access to our bonus podcast and video series, A Step Closer. That's how I showed my anger. Mm. Not in words, but in you can't have me. Mm-hmm. And that obviously took a toll in our relationship. All this and more is available to you on our new Walk in Truth app as a thank you for your financial gift. Please become a financial partner of at least $5 a month. Visit walkintruth.com. That's walkintruth.com. We'd love to see who's listening, so please connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Just do a search for Walkin' Truth Show. Now, back to Pastor Michael Lance, right here on Walkin' Truth. He who is to die shall be put to death. He shall not be put to death on the evidence of one witness. Deuteronomy 17, 6. This is verse 7. The hand of the witnesses shall be first against him to put him to death, That's why Jesus said to the crowd in John 8, you without sin cast the first stone at her and afterward the hand of all the people so shall you purge the evil from your midst. Now in the law of Moses, if you were accused of a crime and two or three witnesses confirmed every fact, you could die for a capital offense and I think there were about 30 different things in the old covenant that could be a capital crime worthy of death. And here, probably just speaking of physical death. So you did something wrong. You did something worthy of the death penalty. It would be executed from the lesser to the greater. This is how he's arguing now. How how much severe punishment do you think he will deserve who has trampled underfoot or spurned ESV, the son of God, has regarded as unclean or profaned or treated as unholy the blood of the covenant. That's the new covenant by which he, is, he was sanctified and has insulted or outraged the spirit of grace. Now, you know, this is the only place in the Bible other than a, a reference in the book of Zechariah where the Holy Spirit is called the spirit of grace. And it's a beautiful description of his ministry. The third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit, is God. And he came to bear witness to the truth When we get saved, he regenerates us and seals us for the day of redemption. He is our helper. He is our comforter. He is the one that empowers us for ministry. There's so many things that the Holy Spirit does in our life. He bears witness with our spirit that we belong to God. By him, we cry out, Abba, Father. There's so many beautiful ministries the Holy Spirit does in our life. Uh, We are the temple of the Holy Spirit. God lives in us through the power of the Holy Spirit. And here, the Spirit is called the Spirit of what? Grace. Isn't that beautiful? He's the Spirit of grace. God is the God of all grace. And when the Spirit is knocking on our door, if you will, he wants to bring the grace of the gospel into your life. What is grace? 
It's God's benevolence. It's God's riches at Christ's expense. It's the sacrifice of God's one and only son to atone for my sin. But if I say no, if I sense the conviction of the spirit, if I sit in a church service and I am moved by the power of the kingdom and then I say no to God, you know what happens? I've insulted the spirit of grace. I've said, get out of here. I don't want that. I, I push that away. And there are people today and have been people over the years who've sensed the spirit saying, you need Christ. You need the gospel. And they have rejected it. Stephen said in that famous uh, sermon to the Sanhedrin, you always resist the Holy Spirit, Acts 7.51. What was he saying? He was saying, you push the spirit away. You don't listen to his voice. He who has ears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches, Revelation 2 and 3. The Spirit bears witness of the grace of Christ. There's a dimension in the kingdom when we live and preach and teach and whatever we do where the Spirit of the living God inhabits those things. Somewhat mysterious. Jesus said the, the Spirit's almost like the wind. He, he blows where he will. And this is, this is the stuff of the kingdom. From the old to the new covenant, the writer says, if you go back to that sacrificial system, how much more, if, if the old covenant had 30 different things that could get you capitally punished and kill you physically, how much severe from the lesser to the greater, do you think he will deserve who has trampled underfoot the Son of God? What does that mean, to trample him underfoot? Somebody put it this way. In order for you to end up in hell, you're gonna have to walk over my dead son. That's, that's a graphic image, but that's not quite accurate, right? Because Jesus Christ died on the cross, but I think you get the image, right? The, the idea of trampling the son of God underfoot, Jesus used the image of trampling underfoot seed. He said, the sower went out to sow his seed and he sowed some that fell beside the road and it was trampled underfoot and the birds of the air ate it up. When you trample something under your foot, it's like you're saying, that's not even worth me stopping to pick it up. Like for example, some of you do this. How many of you pick up a penny if it's on the ground? Desperate souls that you are. <laughs> Sorry. Now, hey, every little penny counts, right? And sometimes you think, oh, that's a lucky penny. It was a $10 bill. I would consider it lucky. I'm at the age where I'm not sure it's always worth the cost to lean down and pick up even a nickel. <laughs> that's, a, that's a different story. But when you trample something under your foot, you know, they've, they've had some reports of people who, uh, one story I remember from years ago, there was a person who was stabbed in a store in New York and the person was laying on the ground bleeding and people were stepping over the individual to go and do their shopping and get their stuff done and other people had their phones out and were filming the person and not even helping the individual. I want you to take that image and think about the new covenant. Think about the death of Christ. 
When people saw him on the cross, you know what some people did? They walked by the cross, which was probably literally on the road so that Jesus' feet might have been at most people's heads. And people mocked him while he was dying. If you're the son of God, come down from the cross and we'll believe in you. He saved others, but he can't save himself. (laughs) Can you imagine if you had the power at your fingertips to destroy the landscape? Ooh-wee. Figuratively, says one writer, the metaphor portrays taking the Son of God, the highest accord given to Christ in Hebrews, and grinding him into the dirt. Someone saying something like this, I could care less. I won't even stop to consider that. I won't even stop to pick up that gospel track. I don't want to hear that Jesus stuff. God the Son, Son of God, the blood of the covenant, the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Now, you can see what the writer of Hebrews is saying. He's basically saying, if it's nothing to you who walk by, well, then you're rejecting your salvation through the blood of Christ, which has been obviously emphasized in chapter 10 and 9. Here's a, here's a doozy theologically. You ready for this one? It's talking about how much severe 29 do you think he will deserve who has trampled underfoot the Son of God and is regarded as unclean the blood of the covenant by which he was what? Sanctified. What does that mean? The word sanctified is hagiazo in Greek. It means to be made holy, to be set apart. If you look it up in a lexicon, you'll see the words holy, pure, and you'll see the idea of set apart. So look at the verse again. It says, by which he was sanctified. This is, this is what causes some people to say, does this mean that there were people in the first century Hebrew church who were sanctified by the blood of Christ? They were sanctified and they walked away. Yeah, that's probably a good noise right there to kind of capture it. Is it possible that some people were actually made holy and then lost it, walked away from it? Does does sanctified mean that the blood of Christ is universal in its effect to atone, but only those who receive Christ receive atonement? In other words, did Jesus die for everybody and therefore, therefore sanctification is a, in a wider sense, speaking of the blood of the covenant, but it's especially for believers. You could write down 1 Timothy 4.10, 1 John 2.2, 2, Jesus died for the whole world. There may be something else here. There, there are people uh, who would argue that he was sanctified as Christ. That's a certain theological position that uh, they they don't want to acknowledge that perhaps there's something else going on here. So they say the sanctified one is Christ. And there's there's good people who would hold that. I, I would submit something else to you. It's possible that the word sanctified has a similar use to 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 14. 
This is how it reads. You just write this down for your notes. For the unbelieving husband is sanctified through his believing wife. The unbelieving wife is sanctified through her believing husband. For otherwise your children are unclean, but now they are holy. One of those confusing verses, and you're like, what does that mean? You've been listening to You Have Need of Endurance, Part 2, on Walk in Truth. That's Pastor Michael's teaching in Hebrews, Chapter 10, verses 26 through 39. If you missed any part of today's program, Walk in Truth is on Apple Podcast, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and many more podcast apps. Listen for free to Pastor Michael's teachings in more books of the Bible. We would also love to hear from you. You can email Pastor Michael with your questions you may have from his teachings today, or maybe you have a question about something else, or need encouragement, or prayer. Maybe you'd like to share how Pastor Michael's teachings have affected you. You can email Pastor Michael at contact at walkintruth.com. That's contact at walkintruth.com. And thanks for reaching out. You can also find our mailing address on walkintruth.com. Remember, Walk in Truth is a listener-supported ministry. Please consider becoming a Walk in Truth partner. Your contribution helps us broadcast on this station and provide the podcast to reach more people like you with the hope of Jesus. And now we offer the Walk in Truth app as a thank you for your donation. Please consider becoming a Walk in Truth partner for at least $5 a month. Visit walkintruth.com and click donate. That's walkintruth.com. And join us tomorrow for the conclusion of Pastor Michael's teaching in Hebrews 10, 26-39, called You Have Need of Endurance. I'm Mike Massaro. On behalf of Pastor Michael Lance and Living Truth Christian Fellowship, thanks for listening to Walk in Truth, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people.